What's up, everybody, and welcome to Elite POV, where it's podcast time and you know what that means. I am your host, Phil Cataldo, but of course, you can call me Philium. And welcome to the show. Another fantastic week in the world of all elite wrestling. Now, admittingly, I had a crazy week at work. I haven't really gotten a chance to watch Elevation or Dark. Um, so this week's episode might be a little shorter. I'm definitely just going to talk about Dynamite and um, kind of the, the, the things that they're leading into with all the stuff that happened on this week's Dynamite. Um, yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Let's just not waste any time. So as my notes app goes down. So the way the show starts. Right, this is this is how you get me invested, right? Of course, people in the world of wrestling know that there was a two night takeover this week from NXT leading into WrestleMania weekend. So Wednesday night comes and I'm like, ah, should I watch Takeover or should I watch Dynamite? So I'm like, you know what? I want to watch Dynamite because I kind of wanted to watch the second night of Takeover more anyway. So now we're going into Dynamite. The very first thing you see. It's the inner circle in the parking lot, all pull up, all black cars, all different vehicles. They all get out, back in black. The inner circle is here. Now, personally, this is how you get me invested. Now, a little backstory: when AEW first launched, when well, when Dynamite first launched, I should say. My favorite part about Dynamite at the time was the inner circle. Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager being like. Just a, just a brute in the back, like not really saying much, just beating the hell out of people. And then, of course, Santana and Ortiz. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm also from New York. So it, it's awesome that, you know, we get to see that representation and stuff like that. But, it you know, I was a fan of them when they were LAX in TNA. So it's cool to see them be here. So I was always a big fan of them. Now, that being said, when they brought MJF in, I didn't like the direction the inner circle took. I thought it got too corny and it was kind of boring. I didn't really like the story. And like, I like MJF. I love Wardlow, but I just, I don't know. It, it, it was a weird story to me to have MJF in that group because my big fear was I didn't want the inner circle to become like the NWO where it was like random people coming in and now. And, and then there was a threat of like, is MJF going to take the group over is, is, you know, because, of course, a lot of us wanted him to eventually make a group like the Pinnacle, which reminds us of the Four Horsemen. Like, I didn't want MJF to be a part of a group like the Inner Circle. I, I feel like that group is, um like, too street and too cool for MJF, right? I feel like MJF was always going to be a part of a group like the Horsemen or Pinnacle and stuff like that. But... I was happy when the inner circle didn't break up and they went to a different direction and actually went to a face turn, which I didn't see coming. So you start a show like this, you you give me that badass, cool vibe inner circle to start the show. I'm 100% in. And then we go right from that to Hangman Adam Page versus Max Caster. And I was tweeting about this during the show the other night. And honestly... Right now, besides probably Darby and Phoenix, Max Caster is a top three. Like I, I just love everything that Max Caster does, whether it's on Elevation or Dark. Um, you know the videos that he posts on his Twitter, 
or his YouTube channel. Like, there's just he Max has this it factor, right? And whereas he's decent in the ring, he's good in the ring. I don't think he's like, for lack of a better term, elite. He's not elite in the ring, right? But I I think that his style, his swag, the way he raps. I know people are like, oh, it's another John Cena gimmick, but it's like. I don't know, it just, it seems so smooth and cool when he does it, and it's always funny, like, he always has those one or two lines, they're just like, Jesus, and it makes you laugh, he had the line where Joe Biden, you know, falling down the steps like Joe Biden, like, oh man, like, he's current, right, and then the songs that he does about the people he's facing, they're like catchy songs, you know, like High Horse, going at uh, Hangman, his YouTube channel, I believe is called The Shook Crew. If you guys want to go on YouTube, watch, subscribe, watch all the videos. They're hilarious. And you go back to the ladder match video that he had. It was fantastic. But it was a great way to start AEW. And I know, I know and I'm, I really got to start paying attention to this because, like, sometimes I forget. But, like, AEW usually, I feel like 99% of the time starts with a match. And they start out with strong matches that we would be like, oh, this match is definitely going to be, like, around 9 o'clock, right? It'll be the crossover match or whatever they call it. But they start the show with this match, and it was a fun match, and yeah, Hangman wins. But the commentary the commentary really did a great job at putting over the fact that these are the number one and number two contenders, and whoever wins this match is going to become the number one contender. Now, is it too early for Hangman to go after Kenny? Probably. You know, I know, I know Kenny, on Thursday night, this episode airs on Friday, but on Thursday night, Kenny will be wrestling on Impact, and then... Leading into his feud with Rich Swan, which he probably will win the belt there, right? The whole belt collector gimmick. So maybe there a little more time for Hangman. I mean, admittedly, I don't want Hangman to win that belt till all out. I know it's a long time away. But I think it would be cool where he lost at all out when he got his first opportunity. Now he's getting his second opportunity at all out. I think it would be a cool Adding to the story. And then that's like, that's months and months away. So you can tell this belt collector story with Kenny and then have him slowly lose all the belts, right? Because he's not going to hold all the belts forever. And of course, in regards to Kenny, the rumors that since Coda lost at the New Japan show, which I forgot what it was called, but Coda lost the IWGP Divas looking <laughs> butterfly title. He lost it to um, Will Ospreay, which I'm hyped for Ospreay. But now there's rumors that Coda might be coming to AEW. So maybe that's where they take that feud to give something for Kenny to do while we still slowly build Hangman. But it was great to see Hangman win here. They had a really good match, really fun way to start off the show. And it's good to see Anthony Bowens back. I know he was out with an injury. I don't know if he's cleared to wrestle, but he's at least cleared to be ringside. So I'm definitely excited to see the acclaim back in full force because they're so awesome. And I love them. They're great. We go right from that to a Death Triangle promo, where surprisingly, I didn't think they were, they were going to go this angle. We have the best friends come out, and basically like, hey, we're not trying to take your spot away, but like, you know, the best friends are back. And basically like, oh, let's give something for Death Triangle to do while the Bucks are doing this other storyline with Kenny and, and the Good Brothers. And we'll get to that later, but, you know, they're, they're doing a different storyline, so it gives them something to do while we're setting up for what's next and this is what i love about AEW, right they tell stories within stories and that allows us to make the main story a little longer like hey 
we don't want the payoff for the story to be, let's say, until Double or Nothing. All right, Double or Nothing is, you know, Memorial Day weekend. Man, I think it's Memorial Memorial Day weekend. I always get Memorial Day and Labor Day mixed up for some reason. It's weird. But, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. So you have to kind of stretch this out. All right, if that's, let's say, where they want the payoff. So you could have the Bucks do this whole Bullet Club thing. And then you could have Death Triangle kind of feud with the best friends, get a win over a quality opponent, and then go after the Bucks. So let's see what happens. It's it. My favorite part of the promo that sticks out to me is like, oh, the best friends are back. Oh, we have an alien now. Yeah, we have an alien now. Like, it, it's just funny. Like, it goes so well with them. And it, for people who watch BTE, seeing all the stuff with Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy and the best friend. So it all it all makes sense. And it's cool, too, because, like, over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure they'll explain their relationship with Statlander more. But for people who watch BTE, for people who've been watching Dark and Elevation and stuff, like, you see these storylines slowly forming. So even when they pay off on Dynamite, like, it feels cool, like, you're in the know. That's awesome. Now, in the next segment is another Inner Circle promo. Which, this is, this is what happens... When you give us a great match to start, you can get into more promo work, right? We have three promos in a row, I believe. We have a ton of promos on this show. But, like, when you give us good matches, we will sit during promos. And none of them are crazy long. They're not 20-minute promos. They're not at weird times. It's just it's just awesome. And the one thing I want to talk about with the Inner Circle promo, and it was a great promo. If you guys haven't watched it, make sure you go back and check it out. Jericho cut this incredible baby face promo and the crowd's chanting and there's footage of him during a commercial break like telling the crowd to cheer for them so they're super over and all that stuff like it's, it's all like being fun and including the fans and, and stuff like that the one thing is blood and guts may 5th now i know a lot of people are upset because they thought that Blood and Guts was going to take place at Double or Nothing. And if you remember last year, there was supposed to be a Newark show before COVID hit. I actually had tickets to that, so I would have been at that show. And it was supposed to be the Elite versus the Inner Circle in a Blood and Guts match. Which, for people who don't know, is War Games. It's basically War Games under a different name. So, with that being canceled, we always thought, like, alright, they're going to save this for when they have a full arena. And if it's not that, It'll at least be at a pay-per-view. Now, talking to Carrie, Carrie made a great point that it's probably because they want it on the second hour that they sh- uh, shoot. So, little backstory for people who don't know. AEW does, every other week, they're live. So, the first week is live on TV. The second week is taped that Thursday. They, they stay in Jacksonville. They tape it. And they give all their performers... Like a week and a half off. So then, with doing that, you could do fun stuff like the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match, the Arcade Anarchy match. Those matches were on the taped weeks, which is cool. So, with Blood and Guts, is probably going to be the fact that just in case something goes wrong, just in case something happens, they can kind of fix it if they need to. Which I think is a, it's it's a pretty good thing for the company, especially with this match having so much hype around them. I mean, to, 
we're like a year, year and a half by the time this match happens, you know, past its due when when it was supposed to happen. I'm hyped because it's going to be great to see it. Yeah, I would have loved to see it live, but I mean, let's be honest. From where you're sitting in the crowd with the COVID restrictions, you're so far back. It's not like you're going to get to see anything anyway. And I don't know if Daily Place has like big screens that you can see the action if you're sitting super far back. And I know it's an amphitheater, it's smaller, but here's my prediction going into Blood and Guts. And I'm only saying this, I'm trying to will it into existence. And because if it happens, I want to be like, I said it first. So the rumor around town is that Tessa and Thea are debuting soon. Now, anything can happen. Both of them can go to WWE. They can go to Impact. Well, Tessa won't go to Impact, but there's all these rumors about what these women are doing. And they seem to be tied together. And if that's going to happen, where Thea joins the inner circle and Tessa joins Pinnacle, I think this is a great way to do it because Tessa can debut to help the Pinnacle beat the inner circle in blood and guts, which forces the inner circle to reach out to get Thea where Tessa makes sense since Tully is her father and they reach out to her or whatever, or they could be like, Oh, she jumped the barricade to protect her dad. And I think honestly, that's why, you know, we'll get to it later on, but that's honestly why Mike Tyson ends up joining the inner circle as like their friend right now, because I think that that's their way to get Tully in the match which would then get Tessa to come out to protect her father, which then would make sense why the inner circle reaches out to Thea. Because right now, if the inner circle brings in Thea, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, I know she has ties with LAX because she was Rosita when she was in LAX, but I don't remember. I don't think Santana Ortiz, I think it was Homicide and Hernandez when she was with LAX. So it, it wouldn't make the most sense. There's ways around it, but... I think it'd be cool. Tessa debuts, helps the Pinnacle win. Thea comes in, and then at Double or Nothing, they can have a, you know, you know, AW loves doing their 10, 12, 100 man tag matches where there's 15 million people fighting. So it, it's exactly what they want. It's exactly what they want. And on next week's show, we're getting um, FTR versus Jericho and Sammy, which is like, here we go. Like, that's fantastic. That's incredible like it's less sex gods are back let's go then we go right into another promo with christian cage and he says a lot of great stuff talking about frankie kazarian hyping him up it was a great match last week and he gets the invite to join team taz which i personally could care less about i think i love ricky starks you know i like brian cage i like will hobbs but i i team taz like their whole storyline with Darby and Sting were great, but now we're kind of moving away from that, and now we're going to do this like inner turmoil thing, which Cage will probably eventually leave, or maybe Ricky Starks will leave. But it's, I'm I'm ready for Team to move on from Team Taz right now to do something else, maybe highlight some other talents or groups or whatever, just to get some new blood. And I want Ricky Starks to get away from them, not because you know he's so much better than them, but just because I I like him on his own. He's arrogant, he's cocky. I want to see more screen time for just Ricky Starks without like his whole cast of characters behind him. Like I just want to see Ricky Starks be able to shine. Now this in but in another way, it's good because it gives Christian something to do before he gets to a main event match, which is what everybody wants. You want him to work his way up the system, work his way up the rankings, and really 
get to a point where if he does face Kenny Omega down the line for that title, it means something and it feels like he deserves it. Same way with Miro, right? If Miro would have just came in and won that belt right away, they would have been like, oh, another WWE guy getting pushed to the front of the line. And it's like, no, we're going to slowly rebuild Christian Cage as this workhorse character, something different than we saw when he was on WWE, especially for someone like me. And then you build him up so when he fights Kenny, it's like, oh, this is a huge deal. So, I mean, I guess we'll see where the Christian Taz stuff goes. But, I mean, clearly Christian's not going to join. It wouldn't make sense for him to join. He's kind of above it. But it is what it is. Now, the next match is Bear Country versus Jurassic Express, which was their King Kong versus Godzilla match, which was hilarious. Now, the match was sloppy at points, right? I think, as a fan watching, it showed where Bear Country needs to improve is the right word i want to say where they need to improve because like bear country is has been great on dark and elevation and stuff they've been great on those matches but when you put them on live tv you can tell there's i don't know if it was like deer in headlights it was the taller one i don't know their names one is bronson i forgot the other guy's name i think bronson's the shorter one with the dark hair it's the the taller one with like the lighter hair you can tell they were like one, two, three. Like they were like trying to remember spots or trying to remember placement. And when you're in a ring with someone like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, they're moving so fast that you have to kind of keep up and know what you're doing. At least from a fan's perspective, that's how I see it. But, you know, Jurassic Express gets to win, which is cool. Uh, Jungle Boy is just the star that keeps on giving. I, I love seeing this guy wrestle every week. Um, the match was sloppy, like I said, but you know it, it was a fun match. You don't, it's like a throwaway match just to get like the the cross promotion with uh, you know TNT, Warner Brothers, and all that stuff with Godzilla and Kong coming out. And if you haven't seen that movie, it is a great mindless summer blockbuster action movie. I know it's we're in April, but still, like it, it is a mindless action movie, like Fast and Furious and stuff like that. Like, is it the best movie? No, but you'll have fun watching it. Just like this match. Like, was this the match was this match the best match ever? No. But they had some cool spots. You know, I know there was a botch where the one dude from Bear Country looked like he was supposed to somehow catch Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, which I don't think his arms were long enough to be able to catch Luchasaurus in the air. So I think that was the issue. I don't think it was a timing. I think his arms just aren't long enough to be able to catch both of them. But it was still a fun match. Still make sure you go back and watch it. Now to me. The craziest thing of the night, and I said last week, I don't really like QT Marshall. Never been a fan. Uh, decent wrestler, but I mean, just I could care less, to be honest with you. We get this great promo with QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Nick, whatever, I got to remember his name, I forget it, and Anthony Ugogo. And they're in the Nightmare Factory. You see the Nightmare Factory in the background, of course, that's their performance center. That's their training facility. And QT Marshall cuts this insane promo, just taking all the shots at Cody. Talking about when he was with Ted DiBiase Jr., talking about when he was Stardust, just spitting fire. And the group is standing behind him, the three guys, and they look awesome, and they all look different. And it was like, all right, let's get some diversity in here. Let's get some different looking characters. And let's do something different. Let's do something fun. Inner, inner, like civil war, inner turmoil within the nightmare family now one thing i do want to shout out is so at the end of the promo 
and given what their logo looks like, right? So this group is called The Factory. And of course, there's Nightmare Factory on the wall. So Nick, the guy Nick, was supposed to throw the paint and cover Nightmare Factory. Of course, it's paint. It's not like it's going to be thrown perfectly, right? It kind of goes where it goes. And it kind of missed. And I was like, oh, clearly, it was like, we have one take at this because it's paint. It's not like you could redo it. So I just thought that was pretty funny because like this great epic promo, this incredible shot. And then he misses the mark and the paint goes below Nightmare Factory. And only a little bit covers Nightmare where it looked like it should have covered the whole thing. But still a great promo. Still getting me excited. The factory, the, the logo is dope. The shirt is dope. I can't believe I'm excited for something QT Marshall is doing. It just blows my mind. This is why I love AEW though. Because they can make you interested in, in characters and storylines that you could give two shits about a week before. But that's what they do so well. They're able to reset to reset, and kind of focus things so much easier than, you know, WWE or other companies have done in the past. Next part is it was a low moment for me at first because, honestly, as much as I love AEW, they need to stop with this Tony Schiavone's talking to Sting, and it's like the same thing every week. He talks to Sting, someone, he goes to talk to Sting, before Sting could talk, someone comes out, they challenge Sting, it was, it was first Team Taz, and now it seems to be Lance Archer, but I did love the promo work from Archer, and I really loved what Sting had to say to Archer, it's just, there has to be another way to get to this, then, oh, Tony Schiavone and Sting, and it's just like, here we go, the same thing every single week, it's boring, it makes me not like it, and I understand that, you know, we're only going to get Sting in, like, these cinematic-type matches or in very, very... I can't think of the word. We're not going to get him in these, like, normal matches every week. And, and Sting is a huge star. You need to have him on the show every week or every other week. But it's, like, get creative with how we're cutting these promos. Do a backstage promo. Do a taped vignette. Like, let's switch it up a little bit. Not just on the stage, Tony Schiavone, someone interrupts him. Sting drops heat and then walks away. It was just weird. And then... It was super weird because right after that, Darby comes out to the ring and Sting just comes back out with Darby. And it was like, it's weird. Like, you just walked off a stage. Why did you come back on a stage? But I don't know. It was one of those weird things that happens. I think it's growing pains with AEW. Like, they try to fit so much into a show. And hopefully with NXT moving to Tuesdays and it not being a takeover night every Wednesday, right? They kind of let stuff breathe a little bit more. Um, book the show the way they used to book the older NXT before it was on TV, where you might not see a character for a week or two to kind of make you miss them. And, and I, I want them to do that with Sting. Like, he could be on the show, but just not in the ring. Like I said, vignette, taped promo, whatever. But now we get to Darby versus JD Drake. Now, JD Drake, I remember from Evolve. I think it was a show that WWE put on. I remember seeing him, and he's really good. And uh, listen, before we get into the match, and I said this on Twitter, to me, J.D. Drake looks like he would be Kevin Owens' dad. So it was just like, oh, look at Kevin Owens' dad's Papa Owens. Papa Owens out here just getting getting them victories, man, trying to get them matches, trying to get that check, you know. But it was a great match, and it was a great difference of styles, right, clash of styles. J.D. Drake, more technical, more of a bruiser as well. Darby is just a maniac, right? During the match, Darby did this suicide dive at like 200% speed, which I've never seen anybody do a suicide dive 
that fast. He it was like before you realized what he was doing, it was done already. I know Ray Phoenix is in the back, like, I got something for you, bro. You you're gonna wrestle that fast? You're gonna basically confuse the hell out of Phil because maybe he looked away for a half a second and he missed four moves. Well, I'm gonna do one better. Great match. Of course, Darby wins because, of course, Darby wins, right? He's not going to lose the title to J.D. Drake. No disrespect to J.D. Drake, but if when Darby loses, it's going to be more of a story than that. But just another reason why Darby is, to me, the biggest baby face in the company. He's able to get these great matches out of guys like J.D. Drake when a lot of the fans probably didn't even know who J.D. Drake was. I don't understand why J.D. Drake is with Cesar Bononi or I want to say, I always want to say the fake Dolph Ziggler, but Ryan Nemeth, right? I don't understand why they're together with Peter Avalon. J.D. Drake makes no sense. Who knows? But it is what it is. And it was a great match. Make sure you go back and watch it. It was fantastic. Now, the next segment was hit was hit or miss for me, but it, it made it made up for it at the end in the sense where so the pinnacle comes out with Jericho and you're like, wait a minute. Why would they just have Jericho? Where is the inner circle? They're not showing us where the inner circle is. This makes no sense. And then the camera cuts to the back and we get oh, they're in they're in the dressing room and they're locked in their dressing room. Which kudos to Tony Khan for just letting them destroy that door in Daly's place. Just rip that door to shreds, break through Run out to the ring. Big brawl with Pinnacle. And then Mike Tyson comes out to help. Just swinging, swinging at everybody. Just hitting hitting Sean Spears with all the punches. Trying to knock the blonde out of his hair. Which was hilarious. Uh, Carrie said that. Carrie texted me. I, was, I popped huge for that. Um, but also, we saw Dax Hardwood take a swing at Tyson. Also, Carrie sending me that. Carrie is a great job at finding... These little moments that I miss because I have ADD. I, I'm focused on too many things at once. I'm trying to write notes, trying to tweet, whatever. So I, I miss these little things. But she found it, sent me the video. I'm like, my man Dax was swinging for the fences because <laughs> he's about to get his ass knocked out on live TV. But it was a great segment. Shocked to see Tyson and Jericho working together, especially how it ended up last time. But it seems like Tyson might be around for a little bit. Like I said earlier, if I had to predict, Tyson's probably going to be in the Blood and Guts match to get Tully in, to get Tessa to debut, to get Thea to debut. My opinion, that's where I hope it goes. A lot of fun. The inner circle is cool again. All I can ask for. I still love the pinnacle. I want Dax's leather jacket that he wore to the ring. Put it on AEW shop so I could wear it because that jacket is fire. Now we get the promo with Brick Baker backstage. And it's a typical Britt Baker promo, but there's one thing that I definitely want to mention and draw attention to is finally, she's like, listen, I'm going to build up my wins and I'm going to go after the title. Thank God. I think that might be the direction they're going in for Double or Nothing, which makes the most sense because it's a huge show. And I think as much as I love Sheeta, it's time for a new champion. It's time for a women's champion who can go out there and cut promos, who can go out there and do all the media for them, who can go out there and be this mega heel for them. 
Like, Nyla Rose was a great heel for them, but remember, when she won the belt is when COVID started. So she was off TV for months. And then when she finally came back, they had her lose it to Sheeta. So it was like, we never, we haven't really got a mega heel champion for them. And when you do this, you can build up your next baby face. Is it going to be Tay Conti? Is it Red Velvet? I don't know. Let's see how, you know, how everything works. Is it Thunder Rosa? And maybe her, you know, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker are going to get a match at, probably Fight for the Fallen if they do that this year. Or um, oh, what was the other show that they do? Like, it's Kenny's show and it's a gaming conference. Oh, I forgot the name of it and drive me crazy fighter fest maybe they do it at fighter fest it's just having a heel champion for them right now is i think the best move because you have so many women that could be billed as baby faces you've used all the heels already she just beaten them all let's start building up these baby faces now speaking of the women's division we got take conti versus the bunny fantastic match take conti has gotten so much better since being in AEW. And I always thought she was good when she was with NXT. Right? She has this charisma. She has this it factor. It was just putting it together in the ring. And her and Allie had a great match. It was extremely hard hitting. You know. You had Matt Hardy's group. Who I always forget their name. The Hardy family something. It's HFO. Right? The Hardy family order. Or Hardy family whatever. Organization. And then you had the Dark Order for Tay Conti, which yet again, huge pop. Negative one is there. And I was joking around to my wife. I was like, one day, uh, you know, Brody Lee's mom is going to be like, or Amanda's going to be like, why do you like big booty Spanish girls? And he's going to be like, mom, I, was, I spent my entire adolescence around Tay Conti. Like, what, what do you think? Like, my man is hugging her. He's all up. It's like, yo, good for you, negative one, man. Good for you, bro. But we see Tay Conti get the victory, which makes sense. Sheeta helps her, but it seems like we're going to get a short or like a, a a good guy versus good guy match where maybe Tay Conti and Sheeta have this great match and Tay Conti does a win, but she kind of earns her respect and she earns the viewers' respect at the same time, which I'm all for because I think their match would be fantastic. I think Sheeta can get an incredible match out of her. I've said this before. Tay Conti is, is at the level of women performers in that company where it's like she has great matches against great wrestlers and Sheeta is a great wrestler. So if that's what leads to all this, I'm all for it. Another thing I want to shout out, that like running dropkick that the bunny did to take Conti on the outside, knocking her against the barricade, fantastic. So happy they're letting Allie wrestle again. And she's not just being a manager, even though she's great at a manager. But let's have her in some of these matches. She has a personality. She has TV experience. Let's use her to get other girls over if she's not the plan. Now, talking about getting other girls over, we had the Red Velvet promo, which is leading to, surprisingly, a match next week with Red Velvet and Jade Carhill, which I'm excited for because for two reasons. One... I think they could tell a great story in the ring with their size difference. I think that they could have an incredible match. We saw it with the Shaq tag match. I think they had pretty good chemistry. They told a good story in the ring. I can't wait to see what's next. Also, the sooner this happens, the sooner both women can move on to other opponents, which I think would be really cool. It seems like, I think it was on Elevation, where Jade seemed to be aligning herself with Vicky and Nyla Rose. Maybe we push more into that direction. 
Maybe we are getting women's tag titles. Maybe we're getting the trios titles. Who knows what's going on? I'm just excited to finally see Red, Red Velvet versus Jade in a one-on-one setting and see what's going on next for both women. I love Red Velvet. Big Red Velvet fan. I think she could be huge for them. I think she could be a huge star for them, to be completely honest with you. you you're not even signed to the company. You step up in a match that is probably the most watched match in AEW history, right? It has to be one of them, top three at least, because of Shaq, and she performed great. She performed fantastic, and eventually got signed after that, so it's like... I'm here for it all day, every day. Now, the final match, we get the Bullet Club versus the Bucks and Moxley. Fun match, right? I love the storytelling from Matt Jackson. Now, I know a lot of people shit on the Young Bucks and say that they're just flippy wrestlers, spot fest wrestlers, and they don't tell stories. Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson too, but every time I watch, it seems to be Matt Jackson is so good at showing emotion in the ring. The subtleties, going to hit Kenny, hesitating, all match. And then finally they get to the point, he can't do it. They can't do it. You know, Kenny's able to beat Moxley. They super kick Moxley. A little sloppy, but whatever. They super kick Moxley. We get the Bullet Club fully formed. And I know Rob, it's not the New Japan Bullet Club. It's just easier to say the Bullet Club. The Elite is back together. The Bullet Club seems to be forming Little by little, slowly by slowly, I guess the Bucks are heels now, which, cool, but let's see what happens. Is Coda going to get involved in this? It was a lot of fun, a fantastic episode of Dynamite, started strong, ended really strong. I wanted to shout out one last thing uh, that Carrie said, so Excalibur on commentary was like, I think I see a tear from Matt Jackson and Carrie was like, nah, it's sweat and fake tan, which I thought was hilarious because it was like a brown, a brown spot on his face. Like that's not, that's not tears, man. That's, you know, that's just fake tanner sliding down his face because he's sweating. And then we get the Eddie Kingston promo at the end, which was off air, but I do want to mention and bring it up. If you guys can find it on social media, it's great. My favorite thing about Eddie Kingston is he says what so many other people say, but he says it in such a unique, his own way, badass way, is why I love him. He can just say, good brothers, I'm coming for you guys. I promise you, I'm going to kick your ass. But he says, I swear on the beautiful eyes of my mother, I'm coming to get you. And you're like, you're just, the way he says words is just beautiful. Like, that is something a street guy would say and you go, holy fuck, he's going to kill me. (laughs) Like, he's swearing on his mother and he gets, like, really sweet and gentle, but it's like, he's going to murder me. And it's like, it, it's what makes you love, like I said, AEW. They let these performers be themselves, be different, and time and time again, they keep striking gold. I am here for everything when it comes to the Bullet Club versus Moxley and Kingston. Another great episode of Dynamite. Let me know what you guys thought about it. Like I said, shorter show this week. But let me know what you guys thought about Dynamite. You can hit me up on Twitter at FanboyFilliam. Tweet me. Let me know what you think about AEW Dynamite. Let's keep it positive. Let's keep it fresh. Even if you don't like something, we don't have to compare it to other companies. Let's just talk about this company in a positive and great way. Have a great WrestleMania weekend. I hope you enjoy the 800 hours of content we're going to get from WWE, NXT, uh, AEW, NWA, Impact Wrestling that we're going to get 
in the next couple of weeks. So it's a great week for pro wrestling. Another great week for AEW. Thank you guys for listening. And top guys out.